The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York City, 12 noon in Johannesburg, South Africa. And here is your top five at five markets globally trying to rebound after Friday's big sell-off. This is politicians rush to try to slow the spread of the latest COVID variant. The U.S., Japan, and at least a dozen European countries imposing new travel restrictions from southern Africa. All country, other countries halting inbound travel altogether. The good news, just as fast as the new variant has been identified, vaccines to fight the mutation could be on the way in a matter of weeks, and current vaccines may still be effective. Oil bouncing back as American gasoline demand soars, and OPEC could react to any COVID-related demand concerns. And could inflation be the Grinch that stole in-store shopping. New data on Black Friday's total show, you may be still staying home. It is Monday, November 29th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on this very busy Monday. So let us get right to it. The markets and your money. After so much analysis and study and discussion over the weekend on what we still know and what we do not know, what we do know right now is that stock futures, they are bouncing back a little bit. Dow futures, they're up 176 right now. S&P and NASDAQ futures, they're also higher. Tech may rebound the most today if this holds. NASDAQ futures are up nearly 1%. Now, this follows a Friday to remember or forget for stocks. Many things happened all at once. You had news about the new COVID variant breaking around the world. That spooked investors. Many desks on Friday, short staff due to the holiday and half day. So computer-based trading took over. Also, many options traders may have been caught off sides on their bets and had to sell. That sent us to a nearly 1,000-point loss for the Dow, down more than that, in fact, at one point, the worst Black Friday for stock markets ever. As stocks fell, bonds got bought in sort of a panic rush to safety. Ten-year yields, they fell back below 1.5%. They have risen above that briefly right now. So we'll keep an eye on bonds as well. Nothing, though, got hit as hard as oil on Friday. Crude oil down 13%, its fifth worst trading day ever since Brent crude futures were started in 1988. Many over the weekend, though, suggesting oil may have sold off way too much given still strong fundamentals, including recent gasoline record demand, as well as what looks like, at least for now, no national lockdown in Germany. They have, may have regional shutdowns, but nothing national. We've also got a huge OPEC meeting on Thursday. We'll get more on all things oil and OPEC ahead with Lima Croft in just a few minutes. Well, after Friday's big sell-off on nearly everything, let us check last week's entire scorecard. How the short week went. Remember, we got off actually to a decent start to the week. So where did we end? Well, the big winner Friday was fear. The volatility VIX index spiking 60%, one of its biggest moves ever. 
natural gas actually rose 6%. The worst performer, oil. What else? Ending the week down 10% after that 13% slam on Friday. Remember, oil actually rose on the announcement of the release of our emergency reserves on Tuesday. Bitcoin, it ended the week down 7%. Small cap stocks, they got hit the hardest, losing about 4%. Both the S&P and the Dow, they fell 2%. Now, they had gained a fair amount earlier in the week. So Friday, with those huge declines, actually brought the entire market down. A couple things important to remember. One from Sam Stovall, chief strategist at CFRA. The S&P 500 typically gains 7% from its October low to the close of the market on year end. This year, we had already gained 9%. So the markets may have been almost perfectly set up for a major pullback. Think about that. 9% minus 2, 7. There's your average on what we see for the year. The NASDAQ 100, it is actually higher this month, even after Friday's meltdown. In fact, 19 of its 100 stocks are up more than 5% since the beginning of the month. So Friday notwithstanding, It has not been all that devastating of a November. Well, as always, we have wall-to-wall coverage of it all on this Monday morning, covering global markets and the latest headlines surrounding the Omicron variant. We've got Matt Taylor in Singapore, Karen Cho in London, and NBC's Alice Barr is in Washington, D.C. Matt, let us begin with you and what happened in the overnight trade in Asia. Hi there, Brian. You know, it was a really interesting session because the Asian markets uh, got off to a very weak start, tracking the performance that you were just talking about on Friday stateside. But then as we saw the U.S. futures picture uh, begin trading, really lifting a number of these markets off the lows. However, we did see a negative session across uh, many of these Asian markets. It wasn't enough to pull these markets into positive territory. And we had declines in the order of about one and a half to two percent for the Japanese market. Hong Kong was down by about 1%, Korea off by about 1%. The mainland China market, though, the Shanghai Composite, ending the day essentially flat. Uh, Let's take you to the Japanese market because this was the biggest decliner that we did see in the region. The Nikkei 1.6% lower, the broader topics off by about 1.8%. You were talking about that flight to safety, a lot of money going into the Japanese yen. So we saw that strengthen, which is, uh, of course, uh, damaging to the stock market there, given the large export component. So uh, dollar-yen trading around the 113 level, pushing the Japanese market weaker. We also had news out from the Japanese Prime Minister saying that all foreigners will be banned from entering Japan from the end of this month. So that is tomorrow for us in the Asia time zone. Uh, Tuesday, the 30th of November, Japanese nationals returning from some destinations, uh, including uh, parts deemed high risk, will have to quarantine. That hit a number of the airline stocks throughout the region today, the likes of uh, Japan Airlines, down by about 4%. We also saw a more than 3% decline for Cathay Pacific. We know that in Hong Kong, it has identified cases of uh, the Omicron variant. Uh, And a bit further south uh, in Australia, Qantas was also lower. Uh, Australia imposing a 72-hour quarantine uh, for all people coming in uh, and a broader border reopening now being delayed by two weeks. Brian, back to you. All right, Matt Taylor in Singapore, thank you very much. Let us span the globe now to our London newsroom and what is happening in the early trade in Europe. Karen Cho is standing by with that. Karen, how are we looking? 
Uh, Brian, well, we've picked up a little bit of that lost territory from Friday. It was violent, don't forget. £72 billion stripped off the UK stock market alone. But even steeper falls we witnessed Friday on the French market in particular. We were down about four and three quarters of a percent. Now, look at the percentage gains. They are modest. We have gained about three quarters of one percent on the UK market, about seven tenths on French stocks, a little bit less on the German market. And don't forget, that is one of the markets we're watching very closely around this COVID variant. And the latest here, very fast-moving development this morning. We've had several nations here in Europe report cases of the Omicron variant this morning. Portugal, Scotland, France, Austria and Denmark have become the latest ones to announce suspected or confirmed cases. Now right here in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced new measures after the Chief Medical Officer warned that there was, quote, a reasonable chance that the new variant could bypass vaccines. The country has so far identified nine cases of the new variant with six new confirmed cases in Scotland today. So if you look the sectors, it does tell you a story about how we are thinking about the variant at this stage. The auto sector, concerns about the impact on supply chains that are just starting to improve. We've seen a huge amount of electrification plans rolled out. Concerns now that with borders closing in some cases, it may impact those bottlenecks we've already experienced. Oil has bounced back, uh, very much like the story you said on the spot market. And travel and leisure, despite some border closures, we are seeing just a little bit of improvement here after very strong selling that Friday trade, Brian. All right, Karen Show in London. Karen, thank you very much. All right, now let's get back to Omicron and what the World Health Organization is calling a, quote, variant of concern. At least 12 nations, including Canada, the UK, Italy, Israel, and Hong Kong, have identified the variant within their borders, mostly in travelers returning from regions with infections that were already identified, namely South Africa, where the virus was first identified. In response, starting today, the United States will restrict inbound travel for non-citizens and residents of South Africa and seven other Southern African nations. The move follows similar travel restrictions from the EU, UK, Japan, and Israel. And while there is still a lot we do not know about this new variant and its mutations, vaccine maker Moderna does not seem that worried. Its chief medical officer saying the company could roll out a reformulated version of its vaccine to better fight Omicron if needed as early as the start of next year. With that, Let's get more now and send it over to NBC's Alice Barr in Washington. Alice, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Top White House officials are saying that they are getting real-time information from South Africa, where, again, this variant was first detected, noting that that, coupled with these new travel restrictions, will give a head start on the U.S. response. This morning, the race to contain a concerning new COVID variant sparking more travel bans. Overnight, Japan joining Israel and announcing it will bar all foreigners from entering the country. Morocco halting all inbound flights. Starting today, the U.S. is restricting travel from South Africa, where the Omicron variant was first detected, along with seven neighboring countries, though top health officials say the new strain may already be in the U.S. This is a clarion call as far as I'm concerned of saying, let's put aside all of these differences that we have and say, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, get boosted. I'm having a meeting with my medical team as I get back to the White House. I have more to say. President Biden meeting with his COVID advisors and preparing to address the nation today. The White House in close communication with South African health officials who are urging calm. There's no reason for panicking 
as we don't see severely ill patients. What is concerning, experts say the Omicron variant shows signs of mutating easily, which could make it more transmissible and potentially able to evade immunity, even from vaccines. Top U.S. health officials believe existing vaccines will still add a degree of protection against severe cases, predicting we'll know more in about two weeks. Now, again, Moderna says that it's looking into possibly reformulating its vaccine to adapt to the Omicron variant and something could be ready by early next year if it's needed. Despite that, top U.S. health officials are urging people who maybe haven't gone to get your booster yet, don't wait for that potential reformulation. Get yourself protection now in any way possible. Brian, back to you. Yeah, so much we still don't know, Alice. One of South Africa's leading professors coming out and saying the current vaccines do look effective. So we'll get more on that a bit later on in the show. Alice Barr in D.C., thank you very much. All right, let's get now back to the markets and your money. And your first guest today says it is important to realize two things. Number one, there is still a lot we do not know. Number two, we are supposed to be buying when stocks are priced lower. And he has brought some opportunity and picks off of Friday's market shellacking. Mark Tepper of Strategic Wealth Partners Joining us now, and uh, Mark, neither of us, uh, last time checked, are epidemiologists or virologists, so we don't ultimately know where this is going to go. But having read a lot, I'm sure you did as well over the weekend, what Wall Street and Goldman and many others are saying, what's your best take on the path forward? Yeah, so good morning, Brian. Um, Look, obviously, this thing sounds very serious, so I don't want to come across as sounding incompassionate at all. But we already know the playbook, right? And we just heard the news from Moderna. They think that, that there's potentially a vaccine in, in early 2022. And if you think about it, the question investors should be posing to themselves right now is, if I could go back in time, would I have bought stocks on March 1st of 2020? Would I have bought stocks on St. Patty's Day of 2020 when the lockdowns were happening across the country? 100% of investors would have done that. So we know the playbook. When I look at Friday, I think that was just a knee-jerk reaction. And look, this morning looks good so far, but there may be some more selling this week. But you have to use these pullbacks opportunistically. Maybe, just maybe, we end up seeing that ever-elusive 10% correction that we haven't seen in like 18 months. I doubt it, but I would be using pullbacks opportunistically. Yeah, you know, do you find any solace in the fact that the markets did not at least right now, and it's still very early in the, in the morning, but the future's indicating we might rise a little bit, that the selling has not followed through, meaning maybe some key technical levels were not breached. Options traders may have gotten themselves straight on Friday, that there wasn't sort of that forced flush, that because whatever happened on Friday was not all fundamentals. Correct, correct. I mean, obviously, illiquidity was a huge issue on Friday. But Brian, I mean, if you think about it, you know, COVID is all over the news headlines, but the stock market itself is becoming kind of desensitized to the latest COVID news of the day. And if you think about it, each and every single variant has led to shorter and more shallow pullbacks. So I think that's at play as well. Again, we don't know, you know, we know that this is probably a more transmissible variant. We don't know if it's more severe, less severe. We don't know how effective the vaccines are. We just heard uh, from someone, I, I believe you said in South Africa, that 
that maybe yep. they're still just as effective. So we don't know what's going on. I think a lot of it was a knee-jerk reaction. Yes, I feel much better when I look at the futures this morning and I see that we're already rebounding a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to hear, by the way, from uh, Dr. Angelique Coetzee of South Africa live in about 15 minutes. That is an interview nobody can afford to miss. Quickly, I teased a couple of uh, names. I'll throw them both out. You can just kind of give us the one or two liner on them. Uh, stocks you like, new names, yeah. by the way, sort of smaller mid-caps, Dermtech and Aspen Aerogels. Why do you like them? All what right. makes them attractive? So- uh, so Dermtech, um, I mean, this thing had quite the run earlier this year. It's kind of come back to a level where I think it's very viable. They have a less invasive, more accurate way to detect melanoma. And melanoma is very curable when you detect it early, very deadly if you miss it. So they put a sticker on a lesion rather than having a dermatologist do a biopsy. So it's much more effective at actually diagnosing Now you just have to get the dermatologist to embrace it. I've been to the dermatologist in the last few months. I've seen the signs up. You got to get the payers to begin to pay for it. Um, So I think there's a huge opportunity in Dermtech right now. It's at a very, very good level. And then when we look at Aspen Aerogels, that's the way I like to play the EV space, Brian. So I'm not a big fan of buying a Tesla Mm. um, or, or the Rivian or something like that. I'd much rather play the EV space through the batteries. I've been buying Aspen Aerogel since it was in the low 20s. They've got a battery technology that improves a battery's performance and range, and it also prevents battery fires, which have been an issue as well. So those are two stocks I'd be buying right here, right now. All right, a couple of new names here that maybe are uh, good deals after Friday's sell-off, and we always appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. Pleasure to get your views on this Monday. Have a great day, my friend. Take care. All right, you're welcome. We are just getting started on this very busy Monday, and when we come back, an interview You cannot miss one of South Africa's leading doctors on what we know about the new COVID strain, what we don't, and what the world may be getting wrong right now. Plus, why inflation could be taking a toll on the hot holiday shopping season, he said. Our Courtney Reagan is here to report at a big oil focus on the way as OPEC weighs what to do to counter any COVID-related slowdown. President Biden's tapping of America's emergency oil reserves, a very Busy hour still ahead when Wex returns right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange and good Monday morning here. Well, let's get a check on the futures right now because that is what it's all about. We are seeing a slight bounce back right now in stock futures again nothing near what we lost on friday we were down over a thousand points on the dow 
at one point on Friday. We are seeing futures come back just a bit, although fair value you can see in the red. So likely bias is higher today. We'll see where we go. There were some winners on Friday. Of course, many of the vaccine and biotech companies involved in fighting COVID, they got a bid. Moderna coming off a more than 20% gain this morning, the top gainer again on the NASDAQ 100. Let's check the airlines. They got slammed as politicians slamming doors on travel over the weekend. They are not really bouncing back, as we said, many countries imposing new travel restrictions. Some slight gains, but less than a percent from most of the airlines as well. All right, still on deck. More on the markets and your money this Monday. Futures, as you see, bouncing back just a bit. Plus, we'll get more in the big weekend retail roundup. What is ahead for online shopping and what may be an inflation-impacted holiday? Courtney Reagan is here with that and more. We're back right after this. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Hope you're having a good start to your day. The 2021 holiday retail strategy of stretching one-day-only deals into weeks or sometimes months may be taking the wind out of historically what is one of the busiest shopping weekends of the year. Inflation also may be playing a critical role as prices rise. Courtney Reagan joining us now with what we have seen, what is still to come, and the day that used to be known as Something Monday for online shopping. Courtney, good morning. <laughs> Hi, good morning, Brian. I know you don't like to say it. It's just what it's called, though. Today is the fifth and final day in this Thanksgiving weekend shopping stretch, and the stakes really just got higher, really, for today's Cyber Monday. Headlines about a new COVID variant started swirling Thanksgiving Eve, and it really took retail stocks down sharply on Black Friday, a day when you don't usually see those kind of moves for retail stocks. It didn't seem to deter in-store shoppers, but something led to lower spend online. And while the quantification varies, according to data from two different store traffic technology firms, shopper traffic surged year over year on Black Friday, up nearly 40% and 61%, according to Sensormatic and Retail Next, respectively. Though compared to pre-pandemic, Black Friday store traffic was down 28% and 27%, respectively, from those two firms. Remember, many retailers closed on Thanksgiving Day this year and last, possibly shifting more store traffic back into Black Friday compared to 2019 and the number of years prior to that. However, conversion or shopper trips resulting in a sale 
was likely pretty strong because while traffic was down sharply on Black Friday this year compared to 2019, store sales were only down 5% compared to Retail Next. Compared to 2020, Black Friday sales were up more than 46% in store. But shopping trends online did surprise to the downside. For the first time, Adobe says digital sales on Thanksgiving and Black Friday failed to grow year over year. Thanksgiving Day online sales were expected to grow 6% to $5.4 billion, but came in flat, $5.1 billion. Black Friday online sales fell 1% over last year at $8.9 billion. The forecast was for 5% growth. Now, experts, Brian, are kind of split on whether earlier shopping, in-store shopping, or cautiousness drove that digital disappointment. But it does make today even more important, estimated to be the biggest online day of the year still, with growth of up to 4%, $11.4 billion. Let's see if we can do it. We can. All right. So talk to us about, though, Courtney, about the promotions this year. The historic rise in consumer prices, a.k.a. inflation, and what retailers are doing, if we're hoping for these giant discounts, doesn't doesn't seem like we're going to get them, at least not on everything. Yeah, right, exactly. It is very interesting. Obviously, this sort of Thanksgiving weekend, the stretch from Thanksgiving through today, is very promotional by nature. It's sort of the tradition of it all. And it is still promotional, meaning you are still going to see discounts. They just have not been as deep as we've seen in years past. So if you're looking on a range of product discounts, when you may have seen 10% to 30% on average, you're now looking between 5% and 25% off this time around. Actually, average unit retail, so the average price for which an item was sold over the weekend, was actually up 9% compared to 2020 and up 11% compared to year before. So inflation, supply chain, all definitely playing a part, but so too strong consumer demand, the ability to pay those higher prices. Yeah, and it's almost December 1st as well. By the way, Courtney, just anecdotally, went to get a Christmas tree this weekend. Normally don't do it this early, but we found out they were already selling. So it may not just be what's on the shelves, it may be what you put those gifts under that could be going fast. Courtney Reagan, thank you. Have a great day, Courtney. We did it, too. Sorry about the Buckeyes. Thanks. Sorry about the Buckeyes. <laughs> All right, ahead. Just as fast, I had to do it, just as fast as the Omicron variant's appearance, vaccines to fight the mutation could be on the way in a matter of weeks. What the CEO of Moderna is saying that may make you feel a little bit better on this Monday morning. Dow futures now up more than 200, oil up 4%. We are back right after this. Traders coming back to their desks and coming back to stocks. Futures, they are higher after Friday's 900-point sell-off on new COVID concerns. This as politicians rush to shut down travel, closing borders and stopping flights even as there's hope that current vaccines may work on the new strains. A South African doctor who alerted the world to Omicron joining us live in moments. And oil on the rise and turning its attention to OPEC and what the group may do on Thursday in reaction to COVID. President Biden's tapping of America's emergency reserves. RBC's Salima Croft is here. It is all happening on this Monday, November 29th. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Monday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us on this very busy day. 
And let us get right to it. Here's how your money and the markets are looking as we are just about halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. All this after Friday's big time sell off on nearly everything but volatility and bonds. It saw the Dow's worst day since October of 2020 and one of the worst Friday after Thanksgiving ever. In fact, I believe it was, in percentage terms, the worst drop ever. Stock futures indicating we may get a bounce back. Now, fair value you can see is in the red, but Dow futures, they are up more than 200. If we do get a bit into stocks, it looks like the tech stocks, what's new, will get the majority of it. You can see the NASDAQ futures are up more then 1% as well, almost 200 points themselves on a uh, numbers basis. So looks like we could get a slight bounce back for stocks. Certainly nothing on the magnitude of what we lost on Friday. But at least, again, it's early. That selling may not continue today. All right, let's get now to the reason why the markets fell off on Friday. And that is the latest in the ongoing discovery of the Omicron COVID strain. Japan announcing it will close its borders to all foreign visitors beginning tomorrow. Israel has already made the same move. And there is a growing list of regions imposing travel restrictions, including here in the United States, as well as Australia, the EU, and the United Kingdom. All this as more cases of the new variant have been discovered across the world, with France, Japan, Canada, Hong Kong, among others, all announcing some new evidence of cases. But even in the scary headlines, there is some good news. Moderna says a vaccine specific to Omicron could be ready early next year. And it is still unclear if current vaccines will work just as well against this new strain. Now, over the weekend, the World Health Organization coming out and saying due to the high number of mutations in Omicron, the global risk of the variant is, quote, very high. All right, well, amid concerns about the COVID spread on Friday, oil prices crashed, falling 13 percent in their fifth worst trading day ever. Oil futures right now, kind of like the stock markets, they are higher. And all eyes are now on OPEC. The group meets on Thursday, and there is some chatter that OPEC could take a pause in adding new supply to global markets. Let us bring in Halima Croft of RBC Capital Markets, of course, a CNBC contributor and somebody that I call the OPEC whisperer because nobody knows more about the group than she does. Halima uh, welcome. Uh, yeah, hard to play this one as well. OPEC, by the way, supposed to have its technical meeting today and tomorrow. They pushed those back two days. The meet, the big meeting itself, the one that we talk about, is still on Thursday. Of course, they could move that if you wish. Uh, why do you think they delayed that technical meeting scheduled for today? I mean, Brian, they're obviously trying to assess what the demand impact could be from this new variant. They're also having to contend with you know, the strategic stockpile releases that we're seeing in consuming nations. So I think all the people who make the numbers for OPEC are getting together to try to assess what is the demand outlook. And this is going to be very, very important because this is a very, very important meeting. The U.S. has asked OPEC to continue putting 400,000 barrels a month on the market. But there's a really strong chance that OPEC's going to say no thank you and take a pause in putting more barrels on this market right now. Well, the United States is putting more barrels on the market with that 50 million or 32 new because 18 was previously approved new barrels. Not a lot, but more barrels on the market from the SPR release on Tuesday. Of course, oil actually rose that day. But the markets on Friday may have done uh, the oil markets bidding and sending prices down. I mean, I've got to imagine that Abdulaziz bin Salman, His Excellency, is looking at that and thinking, 
why don't we use that three-month or one-month pause that's in our deal to kind of sit back and see where that goes? Or, Halima, do you think that would be a little bit touchy politically? Look, I mean, I think Abdelaziz has proven to be the oracle of this market because he has been warning consistently that we are not done with COVID. He's expressed a considerable concern about COVID variants. So I do think it's really a live option for them to take a pause. And I think it would be very hard for the United States to really, you know, go after OPEC at the moment for doing so. I mean, clearly, this is a price range now that President Biden should be happy with. I think it's a really tall ask to ask OPEC to put more barrels on the market, given the uncertainty right now about this variant. Yeah, and demand, at least in the, we'll see what happens, Salima, but we had, according to Gas Buddy last week, a four-day record demand. We've never had more demand for gasoline in America in a four-day stretch than last week. We are still seeing domestic flights that are full, yes, international restrictions, but the market, at least here in the United States, which we are the world's leading oil (laughs) consumer, many would find that unfortunate, but we are, Mm -hmm. demand, at least currently, does appear to be strong, and your colleague, uh, Michael Trans saying that, yeah. according to their numbers, your numbers at RBC, uh, Friday took 120 million barrels basically off the supply-demand imbalance in terms of the dollar value. What's your take on supply and demand right now? I mean, as you just mentioned, I mean, demand does look strong. I mean, certainly if you look at U.S. gasoline demand, which is so important to global oil demand, it is holding up. The key thing we're watching, though, is really what happens with government action. I mean, obviously, we've seen what Austria has done in terms of new lockdown restrictions. The question, I think, for demand will be, do governments take action to restrict mobility? And we'll clearly be watching what happens in this country. The Biden administration obviously does not want to adopt a politically unpopular lockdown again. But that would be the really big hit for demand would be, do we get a return to lockdown restrictions? Yeah, and just a final question again on on OPEC, because it is going to be so interesting to see uh, what what the group does. If we we get a pause, uh, do you think the U.S. starts chattering about the no OPEC, the no PEC bill again in Congress, as you have written? I mean, I think given the sell-off that we've seen because of the variants, I do think OPEC will likely get a pause, a pass from the White House if they take a pause. Halima Croft, the OPEC whisperer. No one knows more than you, Halima, so we love that you got up early for us again. Thank you. We'll see you. you. And I'll see you on Thursday, by the way, (laughs) on the virtual meeting. Halima, thanks. (laughs) All right, coming up, the airline industry grappling with all the new developments, the global travel restrictions over COVID concerns. Phil lays out what it means for the industry just as demand was starting to return to pre-pandemic levels. Stock futures, they are higher by 200. Oil up 4%. Crypto. It's up as well. We're glad you're up with us, and we're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Well, the U.S. ban on travel from eight African nations officially going into effect today as the White House continues to monitor the developing situation around the Omicron strain. Those restrictions do not, however, apply to U.S. citizens. That's key. The new rules coming as air travel in America rebounding to nearly pre-pandemic levels during the Thanksgiving holiday as carriers now face yet another hurdle in their push to recover. Phil Lebeau joining us now from Chicago on the CNBC Newsline. Phil, how's it looking? What do we know so far? 
Well, Brian, I think the fact that we're seeing some of the uh, European airlines moving higher, you see pre-market an indication that the U.S. airlines will be higher. Uh, I think that's an indication that investors are saying, wait a second, did we do a shoot first and ask questions later uh, approach on Friday, which clearly was the case uh, for many investors here. Uh, Savvy Sites from Raymond James out with a note this morning, uh, essentially saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, look, you have got vaccines, you have got uh, a number of methods for treating people as if they do have COVID-19. Um, there is no indication at this point that you are going to see a massive fall off in air travel the way we saw uh, things develop the first time COVID-19 hit. That said, you never want to have lockdowns on an international basis because that's going to hurt or, or delay or push out any recovery that we're already seeing in international travel. And you have the, the news from Japan that they are uh, going to be locking down their borders or, or considering locking down their borders. Uh, that is the concern for those who are looking at the long-haul traffic patterns. When you start to see borders locked down or you see the U.K. saying, you know what, we, we're not going to have flights out of South Africa or into South Africa, that's the kind of thing that is concerning uh, for the airline industry on an international front. But you hit it right at the top, Ryan. Look at what happened in Thanksgiving. We're almost back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of domestic travel, and there's no indication at this point that uh, this new variant is going to change that enthusiasm for domestic travel. Yeah, you know, and again, going back to the travel that we are seeing that is being banned, Phil, it's not that widespread. You got a couple of direct flights. I was looking at one, by the way, from Johannesburg to Atlanta on Delta. It's not like we're closing a huge travel corridor, correct? There's a couple of flights correct. a week. South Africa and those countries that are impacted uh, by the travel restrictions, very, I mean, very small in terms of the overall global international flight market. And from the United States, you're talking in the month of December, a total of 88 flights uh, into um, South Africa, I believe on Delta, or in and out of South Africa on Delta, 122 from United, which is going to be beginning service uh, yeah. coming up later this week to Cape Town. So, yeah, it's very, very small. Well, we'll see if this does impact uh, domestic fears as people or domestic travels. People uh, get nervous again. Phil Abo, we appreciate you joining us nice and early from Chicago. Phil, thank you. All right, let's talk more about all of this. Joining us is one of the first doctors to uncover the new strain. That is Dr. Angelique Kotsi chairperson of the South African Medical Association and somebody who we should all be listening to right now. Doctor, I really appreciate you joining us uh, this morning, an important interview. I hope we had the time. I was publishing stuff from you and some of your colleagues on Twitter yesterday and over the weekend. I saw Professor Salim Karim saying that current vaccines may actually still be effective against Omicron. From your vantage point, what do we know right now and what might the world and some world leaders be getting wrong? Uh, good morning and uh, good morning to all your viewers out there. So, yeah, that's a very interesting question. So there's two things that we can look at it from two angles. The one is what do we know is um, what are we as clinical practitioners or family practitioners see on ground level and what are our current ICU status and then on the other hand, the other angle is what are the um, 
uh, a scientist seeing and, and their experience. Because it's two, uh, I want to say it's actually two worlds. One is a scientific world and the other one is the clinical world. So um, at this stage, in um, what we are observing um, is mild cases. Um, as in this morning, I already saw three cases, but all three children um, under the age one, the oldest was 13, and they and a 10-year-old, and I think the yeah. other one is seven years old. So mild um, cases, again, easily treated at home. The cases that we have seen last week and the week before last week, also mild cases. Um, so we are looking for the, the severe cases because the severe cases is what's going to say we are in trouble. Uh, I presume that might come yeah. later, but not now. Now it's mild symptoms, easily treated at home. Okay, the, the data we were looking at, and I published some oh, some national South African data showing that across the nation, hospitalizations are well down from your winter. However, in the Gauteng province, Johannesburg, one of the most densely populated areas in the world, we have seen hospitalizations triple off their lows of a couple of weeks ago. Can you tell us what the current trend of hospitalizations is and what we may know about who is in the hospital vaccinated, unvaccinated, old, young, et cetera, doctor? So, so that data is not available currently. So even if the, the, the numbers are, you know, it's, uh, I'm not sure where, where the data is coming up that from that the, the numbers tripled in the hospitals, um, because in um, the Pretoria region hospitals, which is the epicenter, I did a survey yesterday and uh, mostly two patients. Um, I know of one patient that's been ventilated currently in one of the private hospitals and the others are there before um, we have started to see in 18 day, uh, on the 18th of November um, these cases. So, um, I, you know, it might be that the public sector hospital seeing a, a bigger influx of patients. And then again, I'm also not aware that they are under any strain at this stage. Um, um, of, the, of, of the gun. Again, that might change. I know that yeah, Balagwana the, Hospital is, a, is where Prof. Ruda is. They have seen um, a, a few young people with comorbidities coming in into the ICU. Whether that's um, om, uh, uh, Omicron or Delta, I don't know. Yeah, that, that is coming, by the way, from the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. So I published the website yesterday, and that's kind of what here in the U.S., a lot of people in, in the media, including myself, are looking at and sending around. Should we not be looking at that data for the accurate or at least entire picture, Dr. Kotze? Yes, we, we can look at that the data. Um, you know, I'm also looking at our um, data that we have seen this the, today from um, Discovery Health. And again, um, there's nothing significant um, that say, yes, we are moving into a real problem going forward. Um, and um, the, we will have to look, and we keep on saying, going forward, within the next two weeks, we will know what is happening. Um, if you look at the data in Gauteng, if you looked at the data, you will notice that yesterday, um, out of uh, 12,300 patients tested, um, only 2,300 was positive. And... Um, Again, we're not aware of um, massive um, admissions to hospitals. It's not there. Um, not in, not in the, the Pretoria okay. region. 
Well, that that's very, very good news. And, you know, and as I pointed out, South Africa has some of the world's, if not the world's leading virology labs and research scientists, because you and your colleagues have been dealing with so many viruses. You've been fighting HIV and AIDS for so many years that that you are identifying some of these mutations before the rest of the world. Do you feel like because you did identify and share this mutation uh, and, and allowing scientists and vaccine makers to sequence the data, do you feel like South Africa is then sort of getting almost um, a, a bad rap in terms of the virus because many people are saying, well, this is where it, quote, came from. We do not know the origins of this strain, do we, Dr. Coetzee? You simply sequenced it, identified it, and shared it. Yes, you are absolutely correct. And that's the tragedy of it all. You know, we try to do due diligence. Our clinician, uh, our scientists um, said, listen, look, this is what we have seen. Um, we share the data. We're telling you um, there are 30 plus mutations. Um, we don't know what it means. We don't know what it means going forward. Um, exactly what they did with the beta variant, which was detected in South Africa also. And they also then um, alerted the rest of the world. But this time, the world reacted different towards us. And um, and again, as in any p- pandemic, it's very, very early uh, uh, wave. This is very, very early days. Um, we are mostly seeing young people coming in. Uh, the, the elderly that I have seen and that we have, uh, you know, with positive a test that has been vaccinated, again, mild cases, really, really mild cases, no one has been uh, um, need for yeah. um, any hospitalization. So it might change because if the un- unvaccinated people with comorbidities get sick going forward, yes, they will be admitted. But that's not to say that the, that the vaccine didn't work because they were not vaccinated. It is the unvaccinated primarily. And, and like you noted, uh, some with comorbidities as well. An important on-the-ground focus on what we actually know uh, from Pretoria. Dr. Angelique Coetzee, we really appreciate you joining us on CNBC, an important interview. Hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Uh, Some important headlines there, folks. What she's saying is right now she is not seeing any spike in hospitalization. Some of the public hospitals may be as well. She is not. Again, something to focus on on the ground from South Africa. Dow futures there up 200. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Let's talk more about the markets in your trading day. Ahead and bring in one of our favorite people, Jeff Kilberg, Sanctuary Wealth Chief Investment Officer, CNBC contributor. Uh, Jeff, probably have to cut a little short because that interview, we had to get that in. You understand what's your best guess on today and this week? Well, Sully, Dr. Coetzee really laid it out well, and I think the markets have already gravitated towards her comments about the fact that we're not seeing hospitalizations increase. So you're seeing the S&P 500 have a nice bounce overnight, but look at the technology sector. We're seeing the NASDAQ 100 up over 1%, and I really think this is all about the reaction we saw on Friday. Not a lot of traders were actually in the marketplace. We saw that VIX spike. It was actually the fourth biggest spike intraday in the VIX, up over 54%. 
We see VIX levels right now, Sully, down about 20% already from that high on Friday. So I think the market is really going to digest this. I'm pretty optimistic. And I think there's a ton of opportunity if you're looking at Boeing, if you're looking at United Airlines. Look at some of these stocks that really got thrown away down over 10% on Friday. As I really think the market has a better understanding of what this variant is. And there's going to be additional variants. So I think yeah. you will see a calmness. Certainly, people are alert. Certainly, people are alarmed. But I don't think that this panic is representing the tape. And that's why I think equities move back higher towards the end of the week when we actually get back to work and look at some of the jobs data. But right now, Omicron, if I'm saying it properly there, Sully, it is front and center and will be the paramount focus this week. Did we underestimate the Fed impact too? I mean, they could always pull back on the, on the taper and or rate hikes. Well, that's the really interesting component. So if we do see the Fed react to this variant or an additional variant down the road, maybe their balance sheet goes from almost $9 trillion up above $10 trillion. So I know when the market really digested the renomination of Fed Chairman Powell, we saw technology stocks get hit. We actually saw the exact opposite. I think in this news, in the wake of this new variant news, I think the Fed has the ability to potentially not raise rates in 2022. And that yep. is really supportive of the marketplace. The S&P 500 already up 24%. I think the market moves higher for the rest of the year. Optimistic Jeff Kilberg of Sanctuary Wealth. Jeff, a lot of people out there hoping you are correct, my friend. Thank you very much, Jeff Kilberg. Appreciate that. With that, we wrap up today's Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next, picking up coverage with futures up. Crypto is up. Oil is up as well. We're glad you're up. We'll see you back right after this short break. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.